What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my opinion! He will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of this. Go to sleep! Go to sleep! Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Hold on, check me, boo. Welcome to Morally Corrupt, a show here on the Ring of Reality feed. I'm Rachel Lindsay. He is Zach Peter. And joining us later will be Jody Walker. Zach, let's get right into it. News of the week. It seems like the news of the day. You know, when we were getting news of the week or news every day and it was Vanderpump Rules and it was that saga, I was into it. I am so sick of the Kyle and Mauricio of it all. Like, I, it's it's one thing after another. And this week we're learning because the narrative has been that they are separated, but according to Mauricio, they're working on their relationship. Kyle talks about them being separated, but she's gallivanting around the world with Morgan Wade, working on their documentary. But it seemed like Mauricio was just trying to keep himself busy until Kyle came back to him. That's that's kind of how the picture was. But then this news comes out that he's getting real cozy with his Dancing with the Stars partner, Emma Slater, which we've seen over the years. Dancing with the Stars, the stars and the dancers, it's not out of the norm for relationships to develop. But photos were released from TMZ that show Mauricio and Emma holding hands. And then Kyle is just happens to be on Watch What Happens Live where she comments on it and she talks about that that was hard to see. She says that it hurt her. Uh, she took down her post on Instagram uh, supporting Mauricio, but did let us know she still voted for him regardless. I'm interested into what, you know, you, of course, being the voice of Real Housewives of Beverly <laughs> Hills. Uh, what? Are you sick of it? Where do you stand with Kyle Mauricio? Where do you think they are in their relationship? I, I just, it. I feel like we should stop reporting, not us, but page six every day is releasing something new. We should just stop. Like, until they either file divorce papers or get back together. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, I think you compared it to Scandival, right? And I think with Scandival, the reason there was more we were excited about the news is because we were getting 
deeper pieces of the big scandal. With Kyle and Mauricio, we're still not getting a lot of answers. We're getting more confused. And at this point, it's fatiguing to not know what the hell the situation is. So I saw the photos on TMZ. I saw, you know, Kyle talk about it on Watch What Happens Live. And then Mauricio yesterday went on his Instagram story with Emma, which doesn't make matters any better. And he's like, we're just friends, you guys. There's nothing happening, you know, which to me, I'm just like, they're like, we're just close. We're just really good friends, which I don't know. To me, it is really sort of fatiguing at this point. I just want to know what, I'm glad that Kyle did watch What Happens Live and at least gave us some answers as to what's going on. But like, either shit or get off the pot. Either you guys are together or you're not together. I think that they're not together based off of what Kyle said on Watch What Happens Live. I don't think that they're together. I think they live very separately. But, you know, then just at this point, just divorce. Like, just stop. I I think it's it's a cheaper to to keep them situation here. And I think, I, I doubt that there's a prenup because when they got together... They didn't have the the wealth that they have now. And, you know, we know that they're living in the same house. I think this is a situation... I, I absolutely think they're going to separate. I do not think they're going to be together. And I think that they're just trying to figure out how to divide everything because it's they have businesses, they have homes, they have children. They, you know, it's just... There's just a lot. So I think that's where they are right now. Or maybe they'll just stay separated and and and, and keep it this way. But I... It's like... I don't oh, yeah. They'll be like Will Kyle. and Jada. And there we go. There we go. (laughs) But don't write a book, guys. But do not write a book. I don't want to read it. I don't. We already get your life every, you know, every year anyway. And we have been for 13 seasons now. Um, Speaking, there just seems to be a lot of turmoil in Beverly Hills because it's also been rumored that Dorit and PK are, well, In Touch reported that they were calling it quits after eight years of marriage, which I totally thought they had been married longer. Um, and it says they've been living separate lives for months, but then right after that, Dorit and PK released a statement denying this, and they've admitted that they've had challenges in their relationship over the years, but that they have not ended their marriage, and they put out this long statement about how they're committed to working through their issues. Zach, do you think that there is any truth to this? Uh, Yeah, I think that they are struggling, and I think that they are maybe taking a little space right now, but I don't think that they're necessarily headed for divorce. I think, you know, she's probably still struggling with the PTSD from the break-in, from the robbery that I don't think she ever fully processed in the moment. And, you know, I think it comes out in cracks, as trauma usually does if you delay healing from it. And I don't think he knows how to be there and he doesn't know how to support her because he's like, I tried to support you and you seem fine and and why are you still not fine with this? So I think he's very confused. He doesn't know how to show up for her. And she's also finding her own independence, right? Like when she married him, he was the breadwinner. She needed him. He had all the money. And now it's kind of shifted because he doesn't, she doesn't need him anymore. She's built her own name and her own brand. You know, if she leaves him tomorrow, she'll be fine. What's her brand? Her brand is Dorit. She can do Instagram model, whatever. She can do influencer deals. Like, you know, she's very much always going to be able to collect a paycheck, at least as an influencer and as a personality. Yeah, she's doing all those those uh, mobile video game ads and, you know, all the commercials and stuff. See, Um. so she... She stays booked and busy. And listen, even the women, when when they get off Housewives, like look at Teddy. Teddy's off Housewives and she built a podcast. Like she, they, these women will be fine without the show and they're realizing that I will be fine without my man. So let me send him to the left, to the left. 
Interesting. I I think that they're just struggling and they'll be fine. I don't see this couple breaking up, but you know, stranger things have happened. We shall see. Last thing I want to note, um, I want to announce that I will be at BravoCon this year. I will be hosting not one, not two, but three panels. I'm very excited about that. I'll be doing Ask Andy, just me and Andy Cohen. So they better let me get loose like I want to. Um, I'll be doing the Potomac Reunion, which is amazing. And um, another panel with Day One Divas. So I'm very excited. I'm happy. I've been sitting on this forever. I'm happy that I can finally say this is happening. So I will be in those BravoCon streets. Look for me. Tell me how much you love Ringer Reality TV. Tell me how much you love Morally Corrupt. Tell me how much you love Zach Peter, Jody Walker, all <laughs> the things. I want to hear it all. Um, and I can't wait to see you guys. Okay, let's move on to Southern Charm because my goodness. I, you know who I'm going to be in these BravoCon streets trying to see? Fucking Madison. I mm. am obsessed with Madison. I truly am. This episode pretty much centers around this, this um, dinner that JT is throwing. Uh, it was supposed to be bigger than this, but because in light of the news of Olivia's brother's passing, he wanted to be respectful, rightfully so. We deal a little with that at the beginning, but the main thing is finally confronting this rumor, not rumor, it's the truth, the fact that Taylor sent a nude picture to Whitney. Now, we did not see it, but it has been described as a dark picture, but let Madison tell it. She saw things. Let Taylor tell it. You couldn't see anything. And as they all sit down, we know that it's going to come to a head. And Vanita does the work that she needs to do before she has to jet off to Fashion Week, and that is telling Leva that there's this nude picture and making sure that everybody knows, is fully aware of all the details before it all goes down as the dinner starts. Um, okay, your thoughts. And I, I, I guess your thoughts. Yes, go, Zach, go. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that she at least admitted that she sent him the picture because she wanted to be, like, she wanted to, you know, be messy. You know, she was upset with Shep. So she's like, you know what, let me hit on Whitney just to stir the pot, just to be messy. Um, listen, I'm pretty sure you can see full coochie and 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 her boobs, even if it is a dark picture. I, I don't think Madison's the type to lie. I'm glad that Madison really laid into her about it because she tries to be this like, I'm holier than thou. I love Jesus. And I'm like, no, sweetie, you need Jesus. You need yeah. all the Jesus because you'd be struggling these, in these, you know, you'd be, you'd be hurting these days. Yes. No, absolutely. I just was like, somebody, I think what irked me this episode was, and I've talked about this delusion that these this friend group has. It makes sense while why they can fuck each other over and fuck around with each other because it's like they block things out and water down what it, I feel like in real life would be an extreme situation. The fact, and there's so many levels to it. Austin and Taylor having a conversation, which they're still talking like nothing happened, and Austin being upset that Vanita questioned Taylor's presence in a gathering for Olivia right after the passing because the thought was Olivia and what's going to make her comfortable. It wasn't about, I'm better friends with her than you are. And the fact that Taylor forced her way in and Austin's backing it up and he's like, 
How dare she do that? She needs her best friends around there. Okay, Taylor hasn't been a friend. What are we not seeing here? Fast forward to Shep being so cool about what Taylor did. And I think that Shep's doing that because he knows that he was been so wrong. So it's kind of like, I'm taking the higher ground. Taylor's been wrong, but I'm taking the higher ground by not making her feel bad about the situation because I did things to her too. But the way he just seems to be like, yeah, you know, Taylor, she did this. She was struggling. She's like, let's move on. Like he's acting holier than thou in the situation. And then Taylor in her confessional, dressed in all red, looking like the Jezebel that she is, Mm -hmm. is like, well, Jesus was naked and, and, and he made us naked or whatever she says. And she's just like trying to be like so cool about it. I was like, I'm going to pull out my braids. I'm going to, I was, I right. Oh yeah. Jesus was naked. So what's the big deal? I'll show my tits right now at the party. Remember she said that to Shep? She's such a yeah. pick me girl. I'm just so irked by her. I, just, oh. I know. I, I think Madison made a really good point of being like, I've always get dragged and it's because she, you know, is this like good, you know, Bible reading sweet girl and right. I'm a slut and I'm proud of being a slut and I own it. She's like, I'm just a slut on pause. Um, and listen, good. For, Madison owns Owns who she is and the yes. boys give her shit for it. Yes. I love I, that they played the montage of them coming after her too. I, I did too. And I, I loved them asking Leva and I could see that Leva was really trying to pick her words. And I'm sure that she has a totally different experience brings being someone who's brown in the South. But she basically spells it out perfectly. And it goes into that whole box theory that they say guys have when they first meet you. They fit, They put you in a certain box and then they always see you in that way no matter what. And the box that Leva describes as Taylor versus the box that they put Madison in, it's like when Shep called her white trash and it's like, but, and I'm not saying that Taylor is, but Taylor's doing some things that Madison was doing, but you put Madison on a pedestal that you're not going to put Taylor, uh, I mean, you put Taylor Ta- on a pedestal that you're not going to yeah. put Madison on. Taylor's just white trash with the Bible. I didn't want to say it, but (laughs) if Shep can say it, I can say it. And it's so, and and I understand Madison's frustration. And I I didn't like though, when she was like, we thought you were pure. We thought you were this, but I wanted her to get to the point where she's like, you have positioned yourself this way. You have told people that you're on your knees at prayer study and you love Jesus, but you're, you're lying out of one mouth and, you know, like showing off nudes to the other. And then, rationalizing it. She's like, look, I was just trying to get back. This is Taylor talking. I was just trying to get back at him. I sent it to him to get to you as if like, that's what people do when they're going through a breakup and they're hurt. No, Taylor, they don't. And I also love that she couldn't stand up to Madison. Madison was reading her for filth and she was just like, oh, okay. And that's why Shep had to step in. And Shep, Shep acting like he's above Madison because he doesn't yell, yet you're so sloppy in your behavior and the way that you act, treat women, act with women, but you're better than Madison because you don't yell. Yep. You don't, it's, or you don't curse. The delusion. That's what this Mm -hmm. episode should have been called. The delusion of it all. At first, I was not into JT because JT, um, 
because JT was like making excuses for Taylor. And I was like, there's that box theory. Taylor can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. But then at the end, when he calls out Shep and he's like, let's respect the women. I thought, thank you, JT. And let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) And let's move on. I, I just love Madison. I watched the scene no less than five times. No less than five times. So good. So good. I need more Madison. Madison kills it. Yeah, Build she kills it every time. show around her. Uh, and just because we see the contrast, because when she we see her with her child and her husband, it's a totally different oh, thing. Oh, I loved that scene, yeah. Yeah, she could, she's all the things. Anyways, uh, okay, that is it from the Southern Charm. It was very Madison heavy. I apologize, but she's just a star. She's just a star. I'm a retired slut. Uh, aren't we all, Madison? Aren't we all? Um, Okay, we will move on to Beverly Hills. Thank you so much, Zach. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Jody, I don't know if you feel as strongly as I do, but I am sick already of Kyle and Mauricio. I just, I, I oh my I, gosh. That's my lead into Beverly Hills as we're, I've just been ranting and raving with Zach about it. And it's like enough already. We've spent months talking about all of them or all of them, just the the Morgan and Kyle and Mauricio and now Emma of it all. And I'm just like, geez, and we're not even going to see that really this season. So it's just a lot. I don't want to be sick of them before I start, but I'm already there. I am already there. I'm tapped out. You know, Rachel, sometimes I kind of I kind of keep my nose out of the news. I don't always know exactly what's going on. Obviously, I've been tracking the like, Kyle getting tatted up with a country singer sure, thing sure. and uh, and and um Mauricio holding hands with the dancing with the star I've seen some things but I, I got I I found something a little fascinating about it I you know I ra- I maintain my right 
to grow sick of it immediately. But like watching her be so clearly mad at him and not totally knowing why within this time frame. I mean, she was just like, she was fucked up, you know? Like she was like so over it and rebelling. I mean, that's what he calls it. It's like, she is like rebelling and uh, that's a little interesting. It was such a weird conversation. If we could have counted the number of times that Mauricio frowned during... He looked so confused. Yeah, like, are we doing... I, I was trying to read it. It was like, is he saying, are we doing this on camera? Are we, mm-hmm. are we, what are you talking about? Wait, this is new. Wait, what? Like, I just, you're, you're rebelling in this conversation. These, you're saying the quiet part out loud. It was like his face mm-hmm. was priceless through the whole thing. Like, now, now wait a minute. Ah, uh, okay, let's get into it all because I was confused at how this, this episode started off. First off, we start off with PK stuffing his face with a bag of chips. I think. Two, two bags excuse of me. Yes, Jody. Two bags. Two bags. Double, double fisted. Double with, bags. With chips. So odd. But it seems like this episode just started in the middle. I was like... I totally right? agree. I was like, is this the premiere? Yeah, it just started. And I was like, now, wait a minute. I know we got the lead in, but it just felt so off. And I'm glad. Thank you for saying that. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who was like, wait, what? I don't think I was registering why it felt weird, but yeah, PK was the first person. We saw PK, right? Before we saw Dorit just like absolutely housing two different flavors of Lay's potato chips, which can relate. You know, I don't like to relate to PK, but here we are. (laughs) And yeah, there was something, and it made me feel like even when they went to the retreat and they were talking about how like broken so many of the relationships are between them and how hurt they've been by each other. I was kind of like, I do not remember what happened last season. Like, I can't... You know why? I just couldn't... Because there's been so much that's been talked about outside of it. When I actually thought, like, right hand to the man, I thought there was a season in between Kathy and Rena leaving. I was like... Wait, what? The last season was this blow up at the re- I was so confused. I was like, wait, we haven't had a whole season. I thought Lisa Rinna's been gone for two seasons. It's wild. When I saw Kyle at the reunion weeping in that like terrible plastic metallic pink dress, I totally agree. I was like, that was the last reunion. It's the very like what is it like the Mandela effect like and something is something has taken over us it's sort of confusing or it's just taking too long to get to the new season and bravo I don't think I'm asking for too much when I say tighten it up I mean when Doree references Erica's comment at BravoCon I was like that was last November. BravoCon is next week. We have to tighten it up. She literally had not addressed Erica's comment at BravoCon which was October, mind you, last year. She had not addressed it until now. And I know they probably were filming quickly after, but it's still like, it's the timelines are just too long. I mean, my God, we're still waiting for Girls Trip season four. We're never getting that. There's too much coming out. You're never getting okay, that. We're never getting I that. I digress. <laughs> um, okay, so I, in saying that this started in the middle it felt like it just started in the middle of the season. I will say maybe that is the key to a successful start because this spiritual circle with the eagle woman and the raven, I think that Blue Raven, I think that was her name? Blue Raven. Blue Raven was 
this was the perfect way to start. I mean, these ladies came in locked and loaded, ready to unleash. They were firing at each other nonstop, except for Crystal, who was non-existent the entire episode. And that's all we really need to say about her. I said, is she holding a diamond this season? Didn't say a word. And then we never saw her again for the rest of the season. Not a great stop start for Crystal. But in this spiritual circle, I thought, my God, can every franchise start off this way? Send the Ingle Woman, Eagle Woman, Inglewood is what I almost said. Oof, I live in LA. I'm, I'm so LA now. Let the Eagle Woman land in every single franchise and bring Blue Raven along with her. I mean, the way they started out, Erica's lack of apology, Dorit's marriage being challenged, Kyle crying over absolutely nothing simply so she can participate in the circle and have something to say. I mean, it was beautiful. It was it was a beautiful moment. Your thought when I saw Eagle Woman at Dorit and PK's house, I knew I knew two things. One was that PK wasn't going to let her through the door before he said some shit about her name, and that was right. <laughs> And two was that I trusted her. I was just like, yeah, you know what? She actually does seem like a spiritual healer. Like, she seems like she can bring something. And I don't know what she did to them beforehand because we only heard her say two or three words and Blue Raven handed out some tea before Dorit was like, and I'll be taking over now with the spiritual healing. (laughs) But whatever she did, it set the right precedent where... Everyone was confronting one another, but like kind of calm about it, you know, like they actually did sort of make some headway. And I mean, so Dorit confronts Erica about saying at BravoCon that when Andy asks at a Watch What Happens Live, who is the next like housewives couple that she thinks is going to divorce or split up? And I guess at first she says she doesn't want to answer. Then she decides she will. She prances to the front of the stage and says, Dorit and PK. And when Dorit tells her at the spiritual circle that this was hurtful to her, she seems surprised at first by that information. Yeah, it was so odd. It was because it, 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 and I guess coupled with then her response later, where she's like, I'm sorry, I was defensive. She kind of apologized for her behavior last season. But it's like, well, that has carried into this season because your response to Dorit was like, I gave the people what they wanted. It was a shady question. So I gave a shady answer um, or a lie. I mean, she says, she says one of the most embarrassing things I've ever heard, which is, Dorit, I'm a showman. I walked right down to the edge of that stage and I gave those people what they wanted. Like, Rachel, I can't even remember. We were probably there. And this is, I did not want that. I didn't want, I was, who am I people? I didn't, this meant nothing to me. Like, I'm a showman. Erica, come on. I blame all you guys who have bought tickets to her, to the House of Blues. You know, you... Those are the people she's talking about. You have built it up. Like, granted, yes, you've done songs, you've done performances, but like, come on. You are not Hugh Jackman. (laughs) What's that movie called? Is that the movie called? (laughs) The Greatest Showman. (laughs) You are not Hugh Jackman. You are not. Okay, like, it's just... The delusion is becoming almost unbearable in Bravo world. And that, and I'm also saying that because I've just talked about the delusional 
ways of the Southern charm folks. So I just, it's it's wild, but also not surprising coming from Erica. The surprising thing was no, and- the lack of awareness or just even the acknowledgement of Dorit's feelings. And it seems like she was throwing digs at Dorit and Dorit got her lick back at the top of this episode as well. She sure did. Dorit may not have really gotten an apology, but she got a chance to shine. I was enjoying Dorit this episode. I don't understand the new wardrobe and I don't love the new hair, but I do like that the old Dorita's back, like early seasons, turned up, always offended Dorit. And she says, uh, that's in her testimonial, to be fair. She doesn't say it out loud. She says, that's not a showman. That's a bitch. And I think I said on this podcast last week, is calling people bitches back because it sure feels like it on the housewives. Like, I feel like we got about a decade break from when Mean Girls said that we shouldn't do that anymore. And now everyone on Housewives is calling each other bitches all the time. Yeah, bitches back. It's a cultural shift. Atlanta never stopped. The bitches have always been flying around in Atlanta, which I appreciate. Um, That's a good point. Yes. We are, to your point, Have we are bringing the bitches back, basically. The bitches back. Um, Also in her uh, testimonial, Dorit, calls out Erica's weight loss. And and here's what I just don't understand. Guys, it is not taboo to be taking any type of form of Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro, like it's not that, I just don't understand what the big deal is. Okay, you're on it. Who cares? Who cares? Well, and she's saying she's taking hormones. Well, I looked this up. Okay, what did you find? Well, I have heard, I know somebody else who took HGH as a form of weight loss. And I looked, and I never looked it up before, but when Erica said it, I looked it up again. And there is like a certain dosage and the way you diet that can really contribute to to weight loss with HGH. So she might not be lying about that. She might be taking it. And I think that that's what people are doing very particular. Like when Kyle's like, I'm not on Ozempic, she's probably not. Like there's so many other forms or things to do now to take. And if you don't say the particular thing, they're like, well, I'm not on that. It's like, okay, well, you're on something. You're getting some type of assistance. Yeah. Some type of weight loss cocktail. Like I'm on something. And it's fine. Like Ozempic. And how dare when Erica walks in that room, Kyle is the first one who's like, you're the incredible shrinking woman. I was like, ma'am, you are already tiny and you are, it's just, it is, you know, it is a, it's a visible shift. I did also those sort of feel for Erica because like to, to walk into a room and have everyone commenting on your body immediately is well disorienting. Having seen it in person, it is jarring. Like. I mean, her legs are so tiny that it you can't, and I'm not her friend. So if I'm her friend and I last time I saw you was on stage at BravoCon and that's what it seems like with these ladies and then bam, this, I would be, it, it really was, I couldn't stop looking at Erica when I saw her because I was like, she's so tiny. Yeah, yeah. It's this story. And yeah, sometimes something is like coming out of your mouth before you even know what's happening. But yeah, it's like, it seems a little disorienting for everyone except Dorit, who's like, she's on Ozempic. 
Your thoughts on Kyle, I just, and I said it earlier when I said Kyle feeling like she had to find a way to participate in the circle. I did not understand her tears because people didn't comfort her while she was bawling over the Kathy situation. And she was deducing from the situation that people wanted to stay in Kathy's good graces. So they didn't run to her and support. It just felt like a huge reach. Like, I understand you're hurt over Kathy. Like, that is deep, deep. But to then take, say to the women, well, you weren't there for me when I was crying. It just felt like, Kyle, take it up with Kathy. Like, it's, it just, it was like, Kathy's not here. We wish she was, but she's not. So like, let totally. it go. It just felt off. Like, Dorit's was legit. It was a legit issue. Yeah, she had she had a factual time that she could point to. I think what Kyle is doing is being really vague still about how all Good of that point. went down. Because what what from that conversation or from what she shared in the sharing circle, it I was like, oh, okay. So is she saying that Kathy did everything that Lisa Rinna said she did? Like it was she was kind of like, what is Garcelle not understanding about that, you know. Kathy came for my family. So that's why I wasn't like speaking out against the people who were accusing her of things. It's like, okay, so did she, so are you saying she did the things that she accused you of? And I can both recognize that Kyle has a complicated relationship with her family and her sisters. And that is very real and that exists within every family structure and outside of TV. While also being like, you can't expect your castmates to know the extreme nuances of how your relationship with Kathy is moving right yeah. now. I what's Garcelle supposed exactly, to do? I, I know. just I feel that I've, I believe everything Kyle says about their complicated relationship. I believe that she is scared of Kathy. I believe Kathy probably yells at her. I believe that Kathy is screaming at yes, her constantly. Uh, absolutely. Totally. But I think it pained Kyle that. She has been on this. Well, when Kathy was there, she had been on for 12 seasons and the audience fell for Kathy so hard and she wasn't even there full time. And I think it bothered her knowing one version of Kathy and us seeing something. And she was a fan favorite. I saw it at BravoCon. I mean, people were jumping over themselves in the big expo area when Kathy was sitting there doing an interview with someone. So I think that really bothered her that she knows one version of Kathy and then we know a different version. Um, a couple of other things. Sutton is already letting us know she's going to be on one this episode. <laughs> and I am so... She is not holding back. She doesn't care. She's got her horse. You know, she... She bought a horse. She, she bought a horse off the internet. She's showing her Oscar award-nominated friend to us again, old Jennifer Tilly. She's showing us her store. She's showing us her butler who wears all the hats. I mean, she's just like, I'm above this. I'm above y'all. I just... She's going to be so shady this season. And I can't wait to watch an unhinged version. Not that she ever has been, like, together, but she's coming in hot already. And she has some financial goals she is trying to achieve. I did not understand what was happening while they were eating, you know, 
Chinese chicken salad in the middle of her store, which seems gross to me. Uh, like, she was both saying, you know, that, that like, obviously, I'm not going to give up spousal support. Who would do that? Are you crazy? But it's also important to have financial freedom. But I also earned this spousal support. But I also want my... I. It's actually... I actually do understand everything she was saying. But it was such yeah. a performance. I, I got like, it. Like, it was for us. I, I felt that. Yeah. I felt that, too. It, it just... I guess I expected that the first season she was on to explain that. It just felt yeah. a little weird that this is how she's saying it. I, I just was like, okay, Sutton doesn't really have much of a storyline. Her storyline is going to be weird because, shade. N- yeah. It's weird because this is not an issue anyone has with her. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the fans are like, I love how rich you are. And it's so great that it's just, you know, that you just get $300,000 a month or whatever. Like, I, I, I feel good about it. I feel good about this for her. I, I think she should write it. <laughs> I think, to me, despite everything that we've said, the most shocking thing to me this entire episode was Erica asking how to show empathy. Rachel. I was like, did I hear that right? I had to rewind it. I said, what? What? This woman is 52 years old. She is in her 50s and her therapist, she said, how do I be a better friend? Like watching her therapist, like walk her childlike through empathy. I wanted to tell that therapist, if we're not here now, it's not coming. Like you can't, you can't use the kid gloves on learning empathy halfway through your life, she said, how do I be a better friend? And her therapist said, well, you put yourself in your friend's shoes. You have empathy for what they are going through. And she said, and how do I come? How do I learn that? And and her therapist was like, uh. She didn't know what to say. She silenced the therapist. It was because when you hear people who don't have empathy, it's like, there's I, said, I don't want to I don't want to diagnose anybody, but I'm just saying when people don't have but there empathy, are a number of diagnoses dark. for people who lack who completely lack empathy. And I do think that we've seen Erica exhibit empathy. We've also deeply seen her not exhibit. empathy. I think that's what she was referring to, that she had no empathy for the victims. Right. She said, as her therapist explained to her how she could have empathy, that she could think about another person and what they have been through in their life and their background and how things might feel for them emotionally. And then just listening to Erica repeat quietly to herself, for them, emotionally for them. (laughs) Like, like she was... Really, learn. It's like it's like one of those videos where a parent leaves their child alone with like a pack of fruit snacks, and the kid keeps having to be like, "Don't eat them, don't." They said, "No, don't eat them, don't eat them." <laughs> Erica was like, "For them, do it. You do it for them." I just like it was so bizarre. <laughs> it was it I, and funny. It was so funny, and it and honestly, I normally would have tuned out during this, like, oh, another therapy session, I would have normally just said, let me just walk away. But thank God I didn't because this was the biggest thing in the episode to me. Other things that happened, eye-opening, right? Like, 
oh, now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other things. I actually, and we talked about this in the news of the week, obviously Kyle Mauricio, blah, but also the rumors surrounding Dorit and PK. And, but I actually find it refreshing that people aren't acting like their marriages are perfect. And to hear whatever's going on with PK and Dorit, and, and I have to say, you know, I said on this podcast, I sat next to PK at dinner, and this is before all the rumors, and he talked about Dorit a lot. And it wasn't in a forceful way. It was in a quite, a, a very natural way of mentioning his wife. And he wasn't saying her name. I just knew a super fan. But I was like, oh, like they seem to really have a strong, connected relationship. But hearing her talk about the struggles and the up and down of marriage with Kyle, yeah, it could be foreshadowing things, but I actually appreciated that as a married woman because it isn't, people think, oh, you have money, you have this team, you have fame, everything comes easy for you. And these women are like, no, it doesn't. You know, everybody struggles, no matter what, how much money you have and what place you are in your in your life or in your years in your marriage. So I liked this. I didn't think this was like a messy thing. I wasn't like, ooh. I just was like, huh, this is refreshing. Yeah, I think what was sort of refreshing about it is in other instances when people have been struggling in their marriages in Housewives franchises, they're usually talking to someone else who is happily married or pretending to be happily married in a good place in their relationship, single, divorced, unhappily divorced. This was like two women in a pretty similar position at the moment, just sort of like sharing with each other. And that's important. Like it made them seem like real friends with real marriages that are absolutely on the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) At least in the case of Kyle and Mauricio. Right, right, right. Um, It definitely did. Uh, Last note for me, that conversation with Garcelle's son, like I, I couldn't decide, is he being honest or is he being a brat? I couldn't. I don't know if there's a difference when you're 15. It's like they're gonna align. I thought it was, I was like, oh, how sweet. And I I recognize, you know, I empathized with his feelings and how he was feeling. But when he was like, yeah, I needed that two years ago, but like, I don't need that now. I don't need you to be a parent now. I was like, oh, baby, you're gonna be eating those words when you're like 25 and you're like, your parents are treating you like an adult and you're like, no, I'm still your kid. I just want to like... It was just weird. He was like, just I need let less yourself parenting. be parented a little longer. I need less parenting. Like, that was like a teenage thing. It was one thing when he was like, I need less parenting. It's like, okay, he wants, you know, like, looser rules. But then when he was like, but you weren't a parent to me. And I and it was like, I was like, whoa. Even the, the other son was completely quiet. And I mean, even Garcelle at one point was like, who are you? It just was, there was like a self-righteous moment in the middle of it that I was like, towing the line, is he being vulnerable with it or is he just being a little asshole? (laughs) I think he's like a kid who likes to hang out with adults, you know, and like can relate, you know, as an overly pretentious child myself, when he was like, I'm glad that both of us can admit our faults, our faults and, and just, mature from here on out. And she that's when she said, who are you? And I did think it was sweet that he said, I'm the child, like, I'm the kid that you raised. Like, I'm like this because, you know, he kind I of I would have been in bone. trouble. If I had said to my parents, I'm glad we both can have been our faults. My parents would have been like, I don't know who you think you are. <laughs> but it's but not you're this. about to admit some faults for real. Oh my <laughs> gosh. It just, I... 
I don't know. I was a smart, I was a smart ass. I was a smart aleck child. I got told that all the time, but I could not have said that. I would have been put in my place. So I think it was just hard for me to see it because it's like, I could not have said that and gotten away with it. But I guess I, 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 and we see in the previews for next week where Garcelle's son is saying, and I'm assuming it's this one that he wants to live with his dad. So it's tough. It, it was, it was a hard scene to watch. Um, it's a hard scene to watch. So always, but I think Garcelle's a really good mom, and it's of like it's, it's nice to see. And she talks about this, just like just how hard she tries at it. You know what I mean? Like it really, it really matters to her, and she's working at it. And she says, like you know, these were I was not always given these sort of allowances to express myself and be parented when I was a child. And so, like that's what I want to do for my very different twins. Um, so it was sweet, you know, and then quick transition into Kyle and Mauricio living in hell. And there's our premiere. And there's our premiere. And there's our premiere. Yes. Um, but I, I will say, I felt like the the trailer they were giving us was all Kyle and Mauricio. And it, there does, there are other storylines. So I'm actually looking forward to the season because I thought it was just going to be so boring. And we haven't even seen Anne-Marie yet. So, and I know she comes with it. So I'm 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 looking forward to the season so far, even though I feel like next week's going to be a filler episode, but that's okay. This was a solid episode. Um, moving on, we have quite a treat for you guys. Um, I will say in a morally corrupt first, but not a first for me, um, we have an interview, but I had to recuse myself, as I warned I would, should this day come, when Aaron from Real Housewives of New York, New Roni, um, if she ever came on the show and she did and Jody, you can talk, lead us into that. But I will say people are probably like, why did you recuse yourself? I'm a professional at the end of the day. This is only the third time I have done this in life. Um, just to let you know the company that Aaron is in. I refuse to interview Jason Aldean. I refuse to interview Mel Gibson. And now I refuse to interview Aaron. <laughs> uh, but Jody, you did a fantastic interview. Um, what do we have? Or just take it away. Lead us into this interview. Listen, Erin and I talk about, and this kind of, you know, we talked a lot about the reunion and she clarified some things that needed clarifying. We talked a lot about how this was a confusing part one to the New York reunion. People that we thought were friends were not. People who we thought were enemies were fine. Uba came in absolutely uber hot and was just interrupting at every turn, which was very funny to me. And Aaron had some insight on that. Um, so yeah, we had, we had a good chat. We missed you, Rachel. We missed you. But <laughs> well, you um, did. She probably did it. <laughs> I missed you. And, um, Aaron was, yeah, very generous with her insight from the season. And, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. And I am excited for part two. I, I I don't know where we're going for here from here, but I'm excited. Okay. Well, that is a good tease. Um, you guys enjoy this interview and we will see you next week. Aaron, hello. Thank you so much for joining us on Morally Corrupt. So nice to meet you. I'm happy to be here. I said to you before we started recording, but I have I have to tell the audience that I just knew you would be right on time. And you were. <laughs> De- like, as soon as I got in, Devin was like, Aaron is in the waiting room. It's, we're ready. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm very prompt when it comes to business. 
and it's all business here. Let's get... No, I'm just kidding. We love the new Roni on Morally Corrupt. We've just had a great time talking about it every week. And I've got to say, I was actually in the audience of Watch What Happens Live at BravoCon last year oh. when you guys came out on stage. So like I've been I've been revved up and excited for it from the very beginning. Oh my gosh, that was such a crazy thing. And Andy said to us before we came out and was like, you're going to walk through those doors and your lives are going to change. And Did it, was it like, feel like that? A real moment. It was just like crazy to like see the audience and like all the lights. It was just like, what are we getting into? It so was nuts. It, it I mean, I, I can remember you guys coming out and it was just so nuts. And it's been pretty nuts ever since. We have been really looking forward to this reunion. And I got to say, part one was really surprising. Like there were relationships that were in really different places than we thought we they would be. It was really emotional. You guys are an emotional bunch. Do you think so? Yes, I think it was like a Lifetime movie. That's what we were all saying. We we're like, it's a Lifetime movie, that whole... Reunion. <laughs> At one point, I was like, five people are sobbing. <laughs> like I, know, I know. I know. But it's, it's good to see that too. Um, we have, before we get into the reunion, I want to kind of like establish, you know, where we were going into the reunion and the kind of time you had during the season. Something that we're always talking about and always looking for clarification on this podcast is how much you guys knew each other before going into filming. And I know you've all addressed it a thousand times, but I like to hear it from each of you. So going in, who did you know? Like, who were you closest to? And who were you meeting for the first time? And like, who did you you click with instantly? Um, I knew Uba and I clicked with her pretty easily. We just like had too much fun together that summer. Um, I mean, I knew them all. Like, I mean, some of them... Did you? Yeah, I mean, some, like, degrees of, of separation. I didn't really know Jenna. Um, and I did not know Bryn. And um, Jessel, I kind of knew. Um, Sai, I knew. So, like, we all kind of, like, knew each other. Um, but clicking, in terms of, like, click... I feel like I kind of clicked with all of them. Jessel and I had, like, a rough start, I think. Yeah. I think. Um, loved Jenna, like, from the get-go. Um, I, we all, it's really interesting because we all have like our own bond within each other. Like within, it's like, it's not like anybody really dislikes one person or like there's, you know, like no connection between two people. Like everybody sort of has that. So some just take longer than others. Yeah. You guys have said, and it seems like it, that you are you are really like a friend group. You're not like individual friend. I mean, obviously you're going to be closer with some people, but it it always, it's kind of like a marriage. It's like, sometimes you really have to fight for it. Like you really have to work for it. And it always seems like you guys are really like fighting for the integrity of the group. Like, like fighting to hold this thing together. Yeah, um, like if there's like a discord within the group. We always, we do always try to like come together and be like, listen, let's like squash it. Like we want us to be a unified group, but it's really important to us. Yeah, you know, navigating a show, we want to be together through it. So I think that's one really positive thing. You could tell we're all very sensitive. Like we're actually really loving people. We're all good people. You know, there's nobody that's like trying to do anything with any malice. It's like a real friend group. You know, like we all sometimes things are misinterpreted. Sometimes things are misconstrued. Sometimes feelings get hurt like a normal friend group. 
It is. It's it's kind yeah, it's kind of like watching a girls trip all the time. Like sometimes right. you're teasing each other. Something I really loved during the season um and I would love to know more about this from you is when you kind of like didn't understand the song WAP and so they were saying they were like Aaron just doesn't know about pop culture like she just does and like here at the Ringer we are pop culture junkies and I'm always fascinated by people who just like aren't that into pop culture is that true are you like not a I huge pop culture person nothing all. not I like I mean I like Britney because that's what I listened to when I was 12 but like I truly like, I love going to jazz fest and music festivals. Like I'm into dead and co like I love queen. I mean, I'm into classic rock and I mean, I love like old music from Spain. I love deep house. I'm not, it's not like my thing. Like I these just, are older reference points, Aaron. Yeah. Like I'm just like, I, I'm, it's just not like, I don't care if Taylor Swift is dating someone in sports. Like I just don't care. Okay, Aaron, yeah. but do you care that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey went to Bleep Catch and I saw that and I did that I thought that was cool. And does I does it like, feel like a little bit of redemption? There's a lot of redemption going on for me lately, I feel like. What else do you <laughs> what else feels like redemption? You'll see. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and I I do feel like we're catching you probably even like between reunion one and two, at kind of a tough time. I, I don't know if you felt this way, but it seemed like things were kind of tough for you inside towards the end of the season. As it went on, I feel like you guys started to kind of like catch from some some flack from fans about being mean girls or being harsh. Was that surprising to you? Like, is there anything that felt unfair from that or anything or did it make you reflect on anything and and feel like you would do things differently um yes and no you know the whole like sex talk was delivered to us in a way that was light and playful with not much backstory and with jessel yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't know that she had postpartum i didn't know that she went through five rounds of ivf at that point i knew she had done it but, you know, even when we were in the Hamptons at dinner and she was talking about the IVF, she was like, maybe it's because like, we're so scheduled that like, you know, we forgot about having fun together. It wasn't like I went through a really dark time. So it, it didn't seem like that topic was like off limits. And, you know, had it been delivered to me in a way that was like, this was a real, or even like offline, if she had called me and said, you know, please, like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, this is really getting like too much. I, it would have been different, but I just, it didn't come off that way. Um, with the Vietnam stuff, I just, and I stand by what I say, like, I just, I just would think that was weird. If my husband was like, I don't, maybe I don't know enough about mileage runs. Like I'm learning this now. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like if Abe called me and was like, listen, I'm going to take I'm going to be home in four days because I'm doing a mileage run so that we could like fly first on the next flight. I just wouldn't understand that. And I would be like, I don't think that's going to work for us. You know, do I understand it more now? Yes. And do I wish I didn't like feed into it? Yes, I do. And the, 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 the thing for me is that like seeing that scene and I will clarify the whole thing with the ring. And I said it at the reunion, I never 
So I never said, oh, do you, can you believe that Pavit's not wearing his ring? And I will take that to my grave. I never said it. And I think that's, and I remember watching it, like it seemed like that's what took it to another level for her. Like it seemed like everyone was piling on, but it really what I was saying was I'm not going to bring this up on camera because Abe doesn't wear his ring half the time and I don't care about that. Um, so that bothered me because it just wasn't accurate. Um, but I think when any, when you see any of your friends like hurt and upset and she seemed genuinely upset that like bothered me. And I also kind of wish that she and I would have had more time to like actually connect. Whereas, you know, she and I weren't on the best footing. Like she came to the Hamptons. I felt like she didn't have fun. And I was up with her like she can't I can't like please her you know and then we had that really awkward coffee so it wasn't like we like had a good start you know and no I didn't really know all the sides to her I just really and I did make assumptions about her you know I'll I'll do that well I mean I think even for the audience like we've had a long and an up and down ride with Jessel. Like it just seemed like there was some sort of like a, a tide during the season for a lot of people in the audience where suddenly we started to understand Jessel and then that like made it click more. Do you feel like you understand her more now or is she still kind of a mystery to you? Yeah, like I even said at that coffee, I was like, you know, I don't really understand the way that you are sometimes because I didn't understand the way that she was. Like now I see that she's more playful and funny. And like when I did that parrot costume and she was like cracked up, I was like, okay, I fucking love her. Like, you know, she gets it. Like, and I don't think I had that opportunity with her. And I think, you know, people became closer and she wasn't one of the people I I got really close with in the beginning. So it's like, it just, we just didn't have that opportunity. Now we actually have fun together. And, you know, I love, I love all of them to be honest, but yeah, it took me a minute with her. It did. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the parrot moment too. It was like, oh, this is here we go. This is like a shared, this is a shared love language. Dressing yeah. up, pranks. We love it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, something that like seem has seemed really important to like you and Cy, maybe like as New Yorkers, I think, is to is like being honest and being yeah. straightforward. But then like in the reunion, or at least in the in the part that we just saw this week. Sai is then also saying that you're being dishonest. Like, it seems like something that just keeps coming up within this group. Do you? I don't think I was dishonest. Could I have said it more clearly? Yes. And I think that she was really just getting tired of like the cheese narrative. Like it was just getting annoying to her about like the hungry and the cheese, which I get because it was like a little overkill. Like she's really like not, she's a pleasant person to be around. She's not, she doesn't come to people's houses and say like, get me this and get me. She, she really wasn't bad in the Hamptons. Like, I feel like she was getting a lot of that. And that's why it triggered her with the whole, like what happened at Cheesegate. But the truth is like, you know, there was a conversation before they all came over that was like, are you serving dinner? That was really, it wasn't that deep. It's just not that big of a deal. Did you think it was rude when she asked that? No, no. I thought it made sense. I'm glad yeah. she asked me because then she ate before. Like and, and then she ate again when she got there. She really is yeah. quite hungry. <laughs> yeah. Well, she explains it like she lifts, you know, like she needs to eat every two to three hours. So, um, you know, I, I I do think that it was like, I mean, she probably was annoyed about the podcast, but I think it was just like the culmination of everything, like the constant like 
attacks that she's been getting, like a lot of like shit about her being hungry. And it's, she, I think it was just like annoying to her. And she didn't want it to be misconstrued that she came over and was rude in my house, but she wasn't. She was fine. We had, we had a really fun night. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was one of the things that was surprising about part one of the reunion is that like when we left off in the season finale, you and Sai were quite aligned and good friends. And then we go into this reunion and it felt like there was some tension. Was there something that we missed in between filming and going to the reunion? Were you surprised by the tension? Like, what was going on there? Well, she got upset about the podcast. Just that podcast, huh? That, like... Podcasts are powerful. You hear it, you heard second. it here first. Yeah. That, like, five-second tidbit that I wasn't as, like, clear. Like, she felt like I was lying about it. But I just wasn't... I mean, I don't think I was lying, but I, I could have been more clear. And it could be that, my like, my words could have come off, I guess, in another way. So you, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, you know, she... She asked if is all we're having cheese. I don't even honestly, I don't even remember how I said it anymore. I'd have to play it back. But basically, I think it was, I think it was just a lot. Like she was taking a lot of heat about this stupid cheese stuff, and it was just like annoying to her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's sometimes why I'm like, because you know, you value honesty and you know, are honest and feel like you're honest. But then sometimes that's why I'm like, well, is there a little more grace in this honesty rule? Because you weren't you weren't trying to be dishonest. You were probably just kind of teasing or whatever. Like, do you think that there is room for, I don't know, a little bit of lying and still being moral? (laughs) Yeah, I think like sometimes things can be misconstrued, especially like in the press or in media. And it's not always going to be 100% clear in everyone's eyes and everybody takes things differently and things are interpreted the way I hear something might be different than the way you hear hear something. So I think for sure, when it comes to the Jessel stuff, for me, I didn't, I didn't really care about the honesty in terms of like Vietnam or whatever, but like, there's just things that she would say that were incongruous, like, you know, talking about upbringing. It wasn't that I I don't care. Like, I I think it's, doesn't matter how anyone grew up. Like it doesn't make someone better or worse or whatever, but like say, like comparing to what the other girls had gone through, I just feel like it would like detract from what they went through when in fact, like now she admits to growing up comfortably and like, it just, you know, and then it's like, well, I never kept a list about you, but then on the show, there was a list about me. It's just like things like that, that just felt insincere. But I, again, I don't, I think it's like, they're like, everybody interprets things differently. Right. So for her, that wasn't lying. It was just like, it may be in the moment how she felt or her trying to relate to somebody. So like, now that I understand her better, I think I can see her intention. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So going into Even the reunion. though, like size intentions aren't bad. It's yeah. just, it's just her way of like, she wants to understand Jessel. And sometimes like people are just so different. So that that's the way that she tries to get her. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I think like within your friend group, there are quite a few examples of people who are just really different and yeah. like and and kind of maybe we'll butt heads forever, you know, like Cy and Jessel. I just I don't know. I we'll see. We'll see. Okay. But you know, they seem they seem They're so very different. different. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. 
Going into the reunion, I mean, listen, it kicks off with a bang of Uba sort of setting her intentions in the group chat. The group chat, the the new Roni group chat seems to be a place of a lot of heat and fire. How, how's it doing right now? What's the, what's the current state of the group chat? We're good now. You're good. Okay. Good. Well, so Uva kind of like, you know, she, I just felt like it was just funny. You you don't really get access to that, to like seeing what someone, she, she set her intentions, like I will be having a conversation with Aaron. Did you go into the reunion with intentions? Like, did you have a, did you have certain things you wanted to like clear up or talk about? Or did you just arrive like wide-eyed and ready for Andy Cohen to ask you questions? I didn't really plan or think things through. I just really. Kinda- yeah, I probably said more. Is that the pop culture blank spot? Were you a were you a Housewives fan before? Yeah, you like, much? I I, not like religiously. I didn't like take notes. Like I don't. I didn't study this. This was like you're like there's a reality show about my life, and that's like how I took it, like in a literal sense. It wasn't like a a way for me to like plan my persona or like shift narratives. Like I just say what I think and. I'm friends with people. And I thought that that's what we were doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in some ways, it is what you were doing. It it was quite a unique reunion in the way that it was like, I don't know, it was like a little bit more controlled by you guys than it than it was by Andy. And I think that part of that was Uba was just kind of like just mentioning things, like just, just kind of mentioning things during other segments. Do you have any clarity for the listener on like how Uba entered into that reunion? Like what was going on? Well, we had just watched all the episodes. Yeah. So I think like it was raw and fresh and she just like, she just wanted to get to it. She just wanted to talk about how she felt and she wanted to clarify a lot. Were you surprised at how hot she was coming at you and that she called you Karen in the group text? Well, that that really bothers me. And I've made it very, very clear because I feel like it's derogatory and it's very hurtful to me. I mean, I couldn't be farthest from it. And I, I think it's really nasty that I see that online. There's a lot of nasty things that I've seen online, but that's one thing that I just find disgusting. Like it's just, it's, it's awful. So I don't think she would have ever said that had she not seen it because it doesn't seem like her character. I think she saw it somewhere and picked up on it. And I don't even know if she knew how much it bothered me, which I've now made clear, uh, because she's not someone that would like say something that would hurt hurt someone else on purpose. I don't see that at least. Uh, so that was hurtful. But aside from that, like I wanted, I wanted it to be cleared up because I want, I want us all to be able to move forward in a positive way. And in a way that like, we understand each other better. You know, yeah. like, I think a lot about Uba too. And I don't, I don't think it's like a lot of people will come to me and be like, how could you be friends with her again? Like, why would you be friends with her again after all that? And it's like, I, I don't view it as a malicious thing. It's this is how she felt for her. This was a real experience. And I can have empathy for what I did in that situation to make her feel frustrated. You know, like, could I have Remember to give her the phone quicker? Absolutely. Did I know? Was I drinking and partying? Yes. Did I forget? Yes. Like there could be 
And to me, it's not that deep, but to her, it obviously is. So you learn about friends. Like that's what friendship is about. I don't think there's any anything wrong in like having these experiences and getting to know people better just through those, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what the show is, right? Like that's what reality TV is, is kind of like getting to know interesting and dynamic people. Do you feel like, like there's anything that's been sort of like misunderstood or misconstrued about you through the season? So much. First of all, you don't really see a lot of my upbringing, you know, which a lot of it was just like not included, unfortunately, because obviously we don't have the most time, but, um, you know, like my, I had a, a very kind of interesting upbringing that made me the way I am, you know, and, and also like a couple things that happened on camera, like the whole thing with traveling first class and Jenna, you know, everyone knew that she had flown first class. I wasn't delivering new information, but the way that it came off felt very, like I was just throwing her under the bus, but it was just like, I thought I was just like going to say it and it would be funny and kitschy and we'd move on. But it actually like hurt her because it it didn't have backstory in it yet. Everyone had, like, we all knew this, that you, you know what I mean? So that like, that was important to me to clear up. Um, and also like, I do, I do feel like when it comes to someone's marriage, you know, like, even though I don't think I went that deep into it, I just feel like I wish I would have, not engaged in it. You know, I mean, the problem was, and I think a lot of people felt this way, that it was brought up to us in such a light way that it became playful. But I think once like the Vietnam travel stuff came in, it got like real. And I do feel bad for that because she was genuinely hurt. And that's never like my intention at all. Yeah. Does it like make you, because I do feel like you're so yourself and you know like it's it's important to you to like as it should be to anyone but actually isn't always you know to like be yourself and to stay true to yourself do those does like that kind of perception or watching an entire season of television back of yourself like does it make you want to change anything it sounds like it sounds disingenuous to say like for season two because it's your life but like it's different to be filmed living your life than to just live your life. Like, does it, does that make you want to change how you approach anything or you're just going to keep, just, just keep being you? (laughs) Well, I mean, can you do both? (laughs) All of it was like me. I mean, I think, I think I could, and I've like, I feel like I react quickly sometimes like, and I could take a minute and think about how I want to say something as opposed to just like blurting things out, which that's so I hard tend to do. Yeah, I tend to do that. So I think like, like with the first class thing is a perfect example. Like had I said, I was just at her house, you know, she like just had this crazy surgery. You know, she also wanted to fly first, like made it less about the first and more about how she was actually feeling. Um, but to be honest, I didn't know how insecure she was. You know, I didn't, I didn't fully know, but I did learn more at her house and I could have expressed that a little bit more. Um, so like, I just think what I learned was to have more pause, like to have more of a moment, like even with the Jessel stuff, like, you know, with her family, maybe asking more questions instead of being like, well, you're not being honest. Like maybe take a moment and be like, okay, well let's like break this down. If she's trying to explain it and ask questions as opposed to like assuming the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That 
makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. You guys are you're you're just you're such you're such an interesting group because you like I said, you just you do seem to kind of kind of fight for it. And I'm I'm fighting for a season two. I you know, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to see you guys keep living this. But something that was interesting in the reunion is it was strange and surprising to see Uba come for you. But then actually in part one, it seemed like Uba was coming in hot for you at the beginning because we see the text, like we get access to those texts. Um, but then in part one, things kind of seemed okay. Is like, is a tough conversation still to come for you and Uba? Well, we we do break down Anguilla. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that is a tough conversation. Yeah. So that happened. And I think the other surprise in part one was the way that Uba seemed to need to get some things off of her chest about Jenna. And sort of out of left field, I'd love to get some clarity from you on this. She says that I think she meant, meant you, Sai, and maybe Bren, maybe Jessel, I couldn't tell, didn't want Jenna on the show. Was there truth to that? Where was that coming from? It was me, Sai, and Jessel. You, Sai, and Jessel. Yeah. And we did not say that we didn't want her on the show. Um, We were at my house at Cheesegate. And someone was, I think we were like, we had FaceTimed with somebody that worked in back of house. And um, they were saying, we think Jenna Lyons is going to be on it. We were just kind of like questioning, like anyone would. Like, how would she fit in? Like, she's so established. And we're like these like you know, like becoming like younger girl, you know, it's just like, we were wondering how it would all fit. It wasn't like, let's make sure let's petition that she doesn't come on the show. That literally never happened. That never happened. But that was what she was referencing. What, like, had it. she ever brought it up again? Or did that never. just kind of totally come out of left first field? Time, that was the first time I heard it. She's wild. That Uba's a wild card. <laughs> She's so funny though. I love it. She she is so funny. She is a she is a true gift to the franchise. As are you, as are this whole, as is this whole franchise. I will wrap us up, Erin. I so appreciate your time. But okay, actually, I have two last questions. One is, will you be at BravoCon? Yes, I will. And I have a booth for my Mescal brand that we're just launching. We had oh. like a party with editors last night. Um, I'm so excited about it. And we have a booth. Are you gonna be there? I'm gonna be there. The Morley oh, Krupp cool. gang will be there. Oh I will. I definitely will. I love mezcal. I'll I'll make sure I'll put you on a list. I'll send you a bottle and let's like connect so that I can let you know when I'm going to be at the booth. Yes, please. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, you know, I do. Yes. Yes. How, how did you get, how did you get interested in that particular spirit? Good question. Uh, 12 years ago, my husband and I went to Tulum. We've been going back ever since I literally got back from Tulum on Monday of this week. Oh, I heard you were on vacation. We really love it. We really love it. Yeah, you saw the post article. Oh no! I heard when we were trying to arrange this interview, what happened in the post? Oh yeah. Oh my God! It was like the headline was like Aaron Leachy throws Jenna under the bus for first class, but flies first class and doesn't wear shoes. I'm like, what? First of all, I put like you know when you're like you know how if you're in the front seat, there's like the screen and you have the wall there. So I took my shoes off at one point, put my feet up. That was the extent of me not wearing shoes. I wasn't walking around barefoot. Okay. 
that which I just thought was hysterical. But like literally, I'm flying home three hours later. Someone sends me the poster article. I'm like, damn. And it's like my informant, the informant. I'm like, who the hell was this informant sitting behind me? Like, I was gonna say, how did they get that information? No clue. But um, anyway, we love Tulum. And one night we were taking mescalitas, you know, with the tahine. Oh the yes. Pal, and then the mm-hmm. orange. We were like, how does this not exist? Like this is not the biggest thing ever. And then we started like really getting into mezcals and like the purity of it, the fact that it has no additives, you know, tequila has a lot of additives, most of them. It, by Mexican law, it only has to be 51% pure agave, but mezcal by Mexican law has to be 100% pure agave. So it's like zero carbs, zero sugar. I mean, it's just the most natural. I know. And I was always a tequila girl, but, and I love mezcal, but sometimes like it's too smoky, like overwhelmingly smoky. So we decided to start a brand. I mean, it took us maybe 80 or 100 tries of different blends. But we ended up going with Espadine and a wild cliche, which is like very earthy, very organic. Um, I mean, the whole thing is organic. It's also sustainably farmed, which I'm very passionate about. Um, I actually went to grad school for sustainability. I'm like rambling, but I'm passionate about this. Yeah. But anyway, the, the flavor profile is like very earthy. Um, very light on the smoke, very palatable, basically just replaces your tequila, but you feel much better the next day. So, I mean, I drank last night at this editor's dinner and I felt woke up feeling completely fine. Okay. Well, if you ever get out of real estate, you can get into sales because I am immediately sold and I'm very, that's true. I guess, yeah, that's totally true. It's like, you can sell, you can sell a house, you can sell mezcal. I'm very excited to try it at BravoCon and I will be tracking you down, me and Rachel Lindsay. Um, and yeah, just to wrap us up. Okay. I have, I have two things. One is that I do want to know how you and Sai are doing headed out of the reunion because that was a very surprising twist in that relationship to see that tension. And I'd like to know how you guys are doing. And then I'll just kind of open up the floor to you if there's anything you want to add that we haven't chatted about or that you that you learned, that you'd tell the audience, anything like that. You know, it really did hurt me. Um, you know, like the whole like break in communication as, you know, like I, I think Bryn was saying the same thing at one point. Like it, it's hurtful because we love side. Like we... Like we're all we were all very close. Um, but I she did acknowledge it at the reunion. And after that, we had like a text chain. We just were like, let's just move on. You know, life is too short. And she's a sweet girl. Like she comes off on the show a little bit harsh, but like she truly, like, she's a nice girl. Honestly, every single girl in this cast is a good person, like truly a good person. There's nobody I'd be like, watch out for that evil witch, which I I've seen on other franchises, like could get crazy with these people but like we're like all like good people you know we get into things we fuck up like it's normal but um you know she's a good girl so we we squashed it and we're good it did seem like she took a little break have you have you seen her since since you guys kind of patched mended fences um where did i see her yeah we we both went to an event we had a lot of fun it was fun good yeah. That's good. That's good to hear, and and good to hear that uh, you know everyone is in a in a good place, ready to still be friends. Thank you, Erin. Looking forward to part two, and I am personally looking forward to season two. <laughs> Me too.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.